We are in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 today, and we are in part 3 of our series, Mastermind. And today we're going to look at the idea of reframing our mind. And we'll explain what that means here in just a moment. But Philippians chapter, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, did I say Philippians? I meant 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, I don't remember what I said. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and uh, we said that as we talk about this series, that if we're going to change our life, we must change our thinking. And we've looked at the Apostle Paul and his battle to control his mind, and we said that there is a war going on, and it is being fought in our minds. We said that most of life's battles are won or lost in our minds, with our thoughts. What comes into our mind will go out in our lives. We cannot have a positive life and have a negative mind. If we can control what we think, then we'll have an easier time controlling what we do. And we've looked at how the Apostle Paul has fought that battle himself, has struggled with it, and has won. And we've looked at uh, the, the, the testimony that he gives throughout his writings. And so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Let's look at it again. Look at it with me. In verse number three, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but what? They're what? Mighty. There we go. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into what? Captivity. Every thought to the what? Obedience of Christ. And so Paul has fought that battle. He has struggled with it, and he has won it. And we find here what the Lord has done in his life. We find here that we are not and don't have to be a prisoner to the lies of our minds, but we need to make those lies prisoners to the truth of God's word. As we've looked at this series, you know, we've we've talked about some of the science of the brain that God has created. And thank God for the, the wonder that is the human body, the wonder that is the mind that He has given to us. And and uh, scientists used to think that our brain was essentially fixed when we're adolescents, that it wouldn't grow, that it wouldn't develop anymore, that the thoughts that we think and the processes and decisions that we made were fixed. When we are adolescents, but we've learned since that it continues to grow all throughout our lives and we're continuing to develop new thoughts and we're continuing to develop new ways that we think. We talked about how the thoughts that we think can develop into neural pathways. Those, those ingrained default thoughts that affect everything that we do, that, that become the way that we think in every situation that we face. Uh, the more that you think a thought, the easier it is to always think that thought. The more that you think a certain way, the easier it will be to think that way no matter what situation that you may face. And that's good news if we're thinking thoughts like Philippians 4.8 talks about that we looked at last week. Thoughts that are true, thoughts that are pure, thoughts that are lovely, thoughts that are of good report, thoughts that have virtue, thoughts that are praiseworthy, the word of God, truth. But for most of us, we are thinking negative thoughts. For most of us, we're thinking, because it's natural, that's where our mind will naturally go is to negative, fleshly, carnal thoughts. 
And because of that, the more we think those thoughts, the more they are compounded and trenched in our mind as those neural pathways. And so we talked and looked at 2 Corinthians 10, where we've got to identify those strongholds, identify those prisons of deception that are holding our mind captive, and take those thoughts captive through the truth of the Word of God and make them obedient to Christ. So today we're going to look at a new idea. Last week we looked at the first discipline that we want to use to train our mind, and that was meditation. It was focusing our thoughts. This week we're going to look at a different idea. And this idea I want to bring to you is called cognitive bias. And you may have heard that before, the term cognitive bias. But to have a certain mental filter or mental framework as you think. So let me give you a definition of cognitive bias. It's there in your handout. A mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences or beliefs. A mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences or beliefs. Cognitive bias is the mental filter that impacts how you think. It is a, it's a mental framework that is not, most of the time it is not based on what is true. It's based on our perception of what is true. It's based on our perception of reality and it can produce and comes from those wrong thought processes, those negative neural pathways that our mind always goes to and it will cause us to make mistakes or errors in judgment. And so we need to identify these. You know, it's, it's how many of you, uh, I see several of you have glasses. Obviously, I have had glasses for a majority of my life now. How many of you, some of you are good at hiding your poor eyesight with contact lenses? And I don't want to ask you to <laughs> uh, raise your hand. And, uh, but I don't know how many different pairs of glasses I've had, but it's been a very long time. I've been hard on glasses. I need new glasses again. Um, but, you know... For every new pair of glasses, and my eyesight is so bad, I remember going all the way back to the beginning. I had thick glasses to begin with, and it has just gotten progressively worse. And fortunately, the technology and the science behind uh, eyeglass lenses has gotten better, so I'm not wearing lenses that are a foot wide. But those lenses, how we look when we look through them, they affect how we see things. And, you know, those of you that wear glasses or have worn glasses in the past, you always, you know, when you get a new pair of lenses, even if it's the correct uh, prescription, everything's a little weird. You ever try to drive with a new pair of glasses? You know, you're, you're slamming on the brakes and, you know, you, you, need, you need like, you've got on your side view mirror, things in this mirror are closer than they appear. You need to put that at the bottom of your new glasses. Things in your glasses are going to be closer than they appear. It changes the way that you look at things. And so you get different frames with different filters and it will change how you see the world. Most of you, some people have even mentioned this to me, so I appreciate you making me feel self-conscious. But, but these glasses that I wear, they used to be transition lenses. They're not anymore. And they have transitioned so many times that now you can tell that they've got kind of a yellow tint to them. So now the world, I see the world through yellow tinted glasses. And, and you can see, I promise you look at the up next video today, you'll see that. And it's, or no, I'm not in that. Thank the Lord. Uh, so you won't be able to see it. But it changes how I see things. And the same is true for when we look through a mental filter 
of our lives. If we have the wrong mental framework or the wrong mental filter, it will distort or discolor how we see the world. And therefore, we end up with a cognitive bias making wrong decisions based on wrong assumption. You know, this is why that people can respond in different ways to the very same situation. People can both go through the same situation, tragedy. They can go through the same situation, even just a difficult day. They can face the same circumstances, have the same things happen to them, but they can just respond in different ways. Why? It's not the facts that are different. The facts are the same. It's the filter. It's the framework through which they view it. You know, maybe they, they have to go into work and the boss gives them feedback, honest feedback, not, not even being oppressive. One person can see it as just so offensive. I can't believe it. Who do they think they are? They can't talk to me like that. I'm going to go find another job. One person can appreciate it and see it as a way to improve what they do, a way to get better at their job. Uh, one person can view Christians, fellow Christians, uh, the, the church, and they can see them as only hypocrites. And they can only see the church as a, a group of Pharisees. Why would I want to be a part of that? They're all the same. They don't really care about me. They don't really love me. Another person can see the church and their brothers and sisters in Christ as sinners, yes, but people that they can love, people that they can show the love of Christ to. We look at the same situation, but our filter is different. Our, our relationship with the Lord can be like this. Our filter can determine our relationship with God. You know, a lot of it... It has to do with our relationship with our earthly father. Studies show that our relationship with our earthly father will how we view our relationship with our heavenly father. That's the filter. That's the filter through which we view our relationship with God. If, we, if you had a loving and involved earthly father, then chances are your relationship with God is probably a little bit easier to have. If you had a distant or oppressive, a demanding or even non-existent relationship with your earthly father, then your relationship with your heavenly father is going to be affected. Why? Because that's the filter through which we see it. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. And so last week, again, we talked about one of those disciplines that are necessary in uh, making sure that our thinking is right. In order to change our thinking, we talked about meditating, on focusing our thoughts on truth. And it is something, since I have first started studying this, and obviously with teaching it last week, it is something that I have been trying to make a priority in my life. And I promise you, if you have tried this at all, it becomes a battle. It seems like this last week there have been more attacks on my thoughts and trying to keep my mind focused on truth than in a long time. And, but it's worth it. It's something we need to continue to fight. It is a war. That's why Paul says we have to use weapons and it's warfare. It's the battle of our minds. And I, I still struggle with thinking negative thoughts. Uh, I still struggle with uh, thinking things and looking at things that are not based on truth, but, but go back to those strongholds that have been in my mind. But I want to continue to meditate on truth because I see how it affects the areas of my life. The negative thoughts, how they can affect other areas. The negative thoughts, how they can affect my focus and my relationships and the things that I am trying to accomplish. And so I want to meditate on truth. I want the truth of God's word to be the pathways of my mind, to be those neural pathways, to be the thoughts that I think 
uh, on, by default when I look at a situation. I want that truth to take captive those negative thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. And so today, based upon what we've just mentioned, talking about that cognitive bias, I want to present a new idea. And that idea is reframing our minds. Say that word reframing with me. Ready? Reframing. We want to reframe our minds. We want to pick a different frame with which to look and think about things. Let me give you this definition of reframing there. Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation, person, or relationship by changing its meaning in our minds. We're changing its meaning. It's a different way of looking at something by changing the frame, by changing the filter. You know, it's like the little boy who loved to play baseball. And he just had to go play baseball all the time and and got to the point where he thought he was the greatest hitter of all time. And he told everybody that. And he said that. He said, I am the greatest hitter of all time. So one day he grabbed his ball and he grabbed his bat. He said, I am the greatest hitter of all time. And he went out in the yard and he tossed that ball up in the air and he swung as hard as he could and he missed. He said, oh man, even the greats miss once in a while. I'm still the greatest hitter of all time. And he picked that ball up one more time and he picked it, threw it up in the air and he swung that bat as hard as he could and he missed again. He said, huh. Well, I can get it this time. I'm still the world's greatest hitter of all time. Picked that ball up a third time, threw it up in the air, swung again, missed. And he said, I had no idea. He said, not only am I the greatest hitter of all time, I'm also the greatest pitcher of all time because I just struck out the greatest hitter of all time. It's how you look at it. It's the filter through which you see things. Um, We change the way we look at something by changing its meaning in our minds. Uh, scientists, same people that have given us this information about cognitive bias, would call that perceptual accentuation or cognitive restructuring, for those of you that like big words like that. For people like me, we just call it thinking different. We just need to think different. And that's what we're trying to do. We want to change the way that we think. You know, you wake up in the morning. And you ask yourself this question, what kind of a day are we going to have? You may have done that today. What kind of a day are we going to have? Is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a bad day? Or is it just going to be a plain old ugly day? Is it going to be what kind of a day it is? It depends on how we frame it. Again, we said you cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. It depends on how you look at it, how you think. If you have a negative mind, that is your framework. That is your filter. That is how you are going to view everything. That is how you are going to view what you do. That is going to, 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 to determine how you make decisions. That's going to determine how you view relationships and interactions with people and circumstances and situations that come in your life that you can't even control. Everything you look at is negative. Again, that is how you framed it. Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, and uh, I hadn't seen these in a while, mainly because my wife has, hasn't made me go through this. But, you know, you have Snapchat, you have Instagram, you got those filters on there. And uh, I was reminded that they're still around yesterday when my sister made sure that I got several pictures taken with a tiny head and a big body and uh, changing your voice. But those filters, they change the way you look at something. And it's not reality. Thank the Lord. 
but it changes the way you look at it. And it seems like when we have a negative mind, we're using a Snapchat filter that's just everything's black and everything's dark and everything's wrong and everything is just destroyed and, and it's a negative filter. Doesn't matter how good or bad the situation is in and of itself, if you have a negative filter, you're going to see it as negative. And we all know people like that who view life as negative. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what happens. They always see the negative. They never see the positive. Uh, they're always looking and finding the bad and the wrong, even when it's not there. It's their filter, how they view it. Let me say this. You, and this is what's at the top of the second page of your handout, you can't control what happens to you. You can't control what happens to you. We can control our decisions. We control things that we decide to do and that we bring upon ourselves. But things that just happen to you, you can't control that. But you can control how you frame it. You can control how you frame it. Paul, we've looked at his example the last couple of weeks. And I see it, and, and again, the more you focus and the more you, you think about this, you see it as you read the Word of God, just because that's your focus when you're thinking about it. But when you read Paul's writings, you find his focus coming through. And Paul's focus and, and his, his struggle and victory in the war of his mind. And Paul was one of the best at reframing his thought life. Uh, you know, if, if you know anything about Paul and having read the book of Acts and, and even his writings and his other letters to churches, you know that one of the, the prayers in Paul's life, one of the things that he desired to do, and I believe one of the, the it's shown by how he structured his missionary journeys, is that Paul wanted to go to Rome. Paul wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to preach the gospel at Rome. Rome was the center of the world, the capital of the empire. Paul wanted to go there and get the gospel to Rome. Unfortunately, Paul didn't picture himself going there as a prisoner. And that's what happened. Paul goes there as a prisoner. We know the story in Acts 26 and 27 of how he goes there and is in, uh, under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial by Caesar. What he wanted was not what happened. But let's see how Paul framed this negative situation. Go to Philippians chapter number three. Or excuse me, Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. Paul facing a negative situation. How does he look at it? What does he say? See, what Paul could have said... Verse number 12, what Paul could have said, it says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me really, really stink. And as a result of everything that I've been through, this being the last straw, I am going to give up on my faith and quit church and forget God's calling on my life to preach the gospel. That's what Paul could have said. You know, that's Philippians 1, 12, and 13 in the NWV, the new Winer's version. Thank you. But what Paul really said, look at it in verse number 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, 
that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. What everyone else thought was bad and what you and I would probably think was bad if we were in that situation, Paul was framing as good. Paul saw it and thought it was good. The way that he looked at it, it was good. We said it just a minute ago and, and have talked about it before, but Paul was under house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard and he got a new one every eight hours. And Paul, in the way he was filtering this and framing this negative situation, was thinking, look, they think I'm a prisoner to them, but in reality, they're chained to me, and I get a new one every eight hours, and I'm going to share the love of Christ and the gospel with them. Who's the real prisoner, Paul said. And Paul framed it correctly. He used the right filter. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Look at, he goes on to say in verse number 14, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word of the Lord without fear. Paul said, most people would say this is really bad, but as I look at it through my God frame, through truth, I still see God at work. I see him working in a negative situation. It was how he framed it. And that's what we have to learn. We have to train our minds to focus on truth, and, that we, and then we have to make sure that our filter, our framework, as we view our lives and the situations in them are based on truth. And so how do we work that into our lives? How do, we, how do we practically make sure that we have the right filters, the right frames? Let me give you a couple things real quick here as we finish up. Number one, thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. You know, maybe you've had a bad day and things went wrong. And we've all had Days like that. Maybe today is that day. Thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. Say that's simple. Do it anyway. You know, you could be like the, uh, the college girl who called her parents, said, I have to talk to you real quick, drove all through the night to get home to talk to her parents, got in the living room, sat them down, said, I just want you to know that a couple weeks, or a couple weeks ago, I met up with a guy. We hooked up. Some things happen, and now I'm pregnant with twins. And the good news is that he'll be out on probation in a year. And after that, he'll start looking for a job. And, you know, he, he'll get out of rehab. And he's considering marrying me. But before then, he'll probably move in with me. And even though we can't afford it, but we're going to make it work. And after her parents picked their mouths off the floor, she said, I'm kidding. Uh, I just want you to know I got a D on a chemistry test, but I want you to know it could be a lot worse. Thank God for what didn't happen. Somebody's going to use that later. <laughs> I don't recommend it, all right? Thank God for what didn't happen. You know, maybe, maybe you missed a deadline, whether it was, you know, and, and it was negative. It was something that caused you to miss getting a bonus at work or something that, 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 uh, that caused you to get a bad grade in a class. 
Boy, thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God that you didn't lose your job or you didn't fail that class completely, hopefully. Uh, maybe you got into a car wreck. Uh, maybe, you know, something uh, fender bender, expensive, but it could have been a lot worse. Thank God that maybe no one was hurt or the worst, no one was killed. Everybody's still alive. You know, you get into traffic and if you've ridden with me, I can't stand traffic. That's, that's one of my... I just can't do traffic. But I'm getting better at this. And uh, I'm trying to, to look at traffic the right way with the right filter. Uh, thank God that you're not in a car accident. You know, if it's traffic because of a car accident, thank God that's not you. Thank God that, you know, you're not going to have to get a call or somebody in your family is not going to get a call. You know, I heard somebody, heard somebody talking about this before. It said they're, they're always thankful when there is a delay for their flights with planes, you know, and, and again, similar to traffic, I can't stand delays on planes, on flights either, but whenever there's a delay on their plane or their flight due to mechanical issues, they always thank the Lord that it happened on the ground and not up in the air. Thank God for what didn't happen. We have to look at things with the right filter, and we can do that by thanking God for didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. Say, well, Bob, the only thing that didn't happen was I died. We'll be thankful for that. That's something worth being thankful for. Uh, you know, I, I can't see something good that didn't happen. I promise you, if you ask the Lord, he'll show you something. Thank God for what didn't happen. If nothing else, you didn't lose your salvation. You still have a home in heaven. You still have a God that loves you. You still have a Savior that will hear you when you pray. Thank God for what didn't happen. Number two, practice pre-framing. Practice pre-framing. See, we said our filter, how we view the world, determines how we see it. And eventually, because it's our thoughts, it will determine what we do. Ultimately, it will determine what we do. And so let me say this to you. Choose your frame before you get into the situation. Choose your frame, choose your filter before you get into your situation. I believe one of the reasons why Paul is able to write the book of Philippians from a Roman jail cell, from house arrest, chained to a Roman guard with such joy, with such power, with such, uh, we see it in chapter 1 in the verses we just read and you go all the way through it until he gets to chapter 4 and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I believe that one of the reasons why Paul was able to do that, it's not because he found that in the middle of the jail. It's because he decided before he got there, this is how I'm going to view this situation. This is how I'm going to look at the situation through the filter of truth. So choose the frame before the situation. Instead of letting my default frame take over in a situation and interpreting something that otherwise is a positive as a negative, I'm going to choose to view it with the right frame before, uh, beforehand, ahead of time. You know, if, if you know that something is coming and it's difficult, and your default frame looking at that situation is, this is going to be hard. This is going to be so hard. Maybe it's, again, something at work. Maybe it's a class, an assignment that you have to do. And your default frame is to say, this is going to be awful. Why don't you choose beforehand to have the right frame and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to see this as something that can be fun. I'm going to choose to see this as something that can help me grow. I'm going to choose to see this as something. Maybe it's I love a challenge and I'm going to accomplish something because of this. 
How are we going to view it? Choose the frame ahead of time. Pick out a new frame ahead of time. Before you get into the situation, pick out a frame that is based on truth. Again, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. What you believe determines how you will behave. What you believe determines how you will believe, uh, what, how you will behave in that situation. If you believe that, man, I'm going I'm to fail this test, I'm going to bomb this class, this is going to be awful, um, then that's how you will behave. But if you go into it with a filter, a framework that says, I can give it my best effort, then you probably will. Uh, if you can go into it and believe, uh, you know, maybe it's in a relationship, wanting to ask someone out. Uh, that you believe they'll probably never go out with me, they'll probably never say yes, uh, then you probably won't. You're probably right. Uh, but if you believe that, that's how you'll behave. Uh, if you believe that God can never use me and I'll never be able to do anything and I'll never amount to anything and I can never succeed in life, then that's how you're going to live life. That's how you will behave. We've got to change our filter. Practice pre-framing. And then number three... Look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness. We said we want to thank God for what didn't happen. We want to practice pre-framing. And number three, we want to look for God's goodness. I promise that when it comes to this in life and situations that you face, you will find what you're looking for. You will find what you are looking for. If you are looking for negative, if you are looking to be critical, if you're looking for the bad, if you're looking for the challenges in whatever situation that you're going to be faced, I promise you will find them. You will find them. But if you're looking for the good, if you're looking for the positive, if you're looking for opportunities to serve, opportunities to know God better, opportunities to help someone, then you will find them. I said this on, on Thursday night, but it's, you have a choice to either be a buzzard or a hummingbird. A vulture or a hummingbird. A vulture is always circling, looking for dead things, and looking for carcasses, and looking for nasty things, bad things, negative things. And guess what? They find it, because they're looking for it. But a hummingbird is always flitting around, waving its wings, looking for pretty flowers and nectar and sweet things and wonderful things. Why? And they find it. Why? Because they're looking for it. You will find what you're looking for. And we've got to practice this reframing, this discipline of reframing, of making sure how we view things is based upon the truth. Let Jesus change the meaning of things in your mind with a new frame. That's what happened to Paul. Again, Throughout all of Philippians, we find it. Paul determined beforehand to let God change how he viewed things. He said in chapter number one, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Either way I win, Paul said. Uh, Paul talking there in, in verse number 12 through 14, I, I wouldn't choose this situation, but I'm thankful for what God has done in it and the way that he's working in it. Uh, he says in chapter number four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul had looked for God's goodness and was choosing to see things through the lens of truth. We must believe the truth of God. But let me say this. We must also believe the truth about God. 
Listen, we must believe the truth of God, but we must also believe the truth about God. Because if he works in all things together for good, like Romans says, then we've got to reject our unhealthy default negative frames and filter, that negativity and criticism through which we normally look at things and reframe it. Reframe it. Look at it differently. We cannot passively receive the circumstances that come at us. We must be actively interpreting them through truth. Actively looking at them and interpreting them through truth. We cannot interpret God through our circumstances. We cannot allow our circumstances and the situations of our life to determine how we see God. We must look at Him and our relationship with Him through truth. Paul said, what has happened unto me? What has happened unto me? All of these negative things that you would look at has happened so that the gospel can be preached. So that the gospel can be advanced because that is the goal. So as we finish here, remember, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So in this war of our minds, we must allow truth to defeat the strongholds and affect the way that we look at things. Next week we're going, or next week we will not meet, obviously, at 10. Easter is next week. We'll have service at 10.30. But the week after, we'll finish this up and we'll look at the power of prayer. What does prayer have to do with our minds? And I'm sure that'll be a blessing.